Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. And today I've got what I think is an interesting topic, <laughs> although some people probably won't, but it is, it affects all of you, many of you out there. And we're going to talk about the federal budget that was released just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and today, again, I have my good friend, Stu Dog or Stuart Bayless. Yeah, hey everybody. And he's from SGB Finance, and he's going to give us an insight on how this budget will affect us on the financial side of things, particularly with regards to our mortgages and our loans. So I'm not going to go into every single detail about the federal budget because that's not what we're here for. Plus, you'll be really bored and you've probably heard a lot about it. What we're going to focus on is what we know, and that is the, the, the side that actually who's going to benefit from it most and that that, that particularly in particular that in particular is home buyers yeah? yes um and more specifically first home buyers but don't fear everyone um it's not just first home buyers as you may think so we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail but before we go into the details of the federal budget and how it affects you i do have to say that neither Stuart or i are economists um, and we are not financial planners either so we are purely coming from a point of view of two people that work in the finance industry and the property industry respectively day in and day out and how we see this budget affecting us and our peers and the general property market Okay, are you cool with that, Stewie? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, good. So all the disclaimers are there, peeps. All right. <laughs> so who will benefit most from the budget? As I had mentioned to you, I do think that it will be um, the first home buyers and property buyers in general, really, but mainly the first home buyers. And that is predominantly spearheaded because of the home guarantee scheme. Now, this is not a new scheme in case you haven't heard of it before. Um, it was released, I think, was it 2021 or 2020? I can't remember mm. exactly. I think it was it 20... mid 19 to be honest. We have to do a bit of no, research. No, I, I think it was, it was, it was in, it was in the, the twos in the twenties, but <laughs> I think it may have been at the end of 2020 and yep. going, I don't know, I can't remember exactly. Oh, well, there's, there goes the fact check, right? Um, but anyway, uh, it was introduced uh, not too long ago. And essentially what it was is it allowed first home buyers to get in the market a little bit easier. So what happened is they only needed to provide 5% deposit mm. and the government would guarantee the remaining 15%. So instead of needing a 20% deposit, the government would guarantee to the banks that that remaining 15% will be made up if any shit hits the fan, basically. Yeah. If, um, if any people go into default, basically. Now, of course, they did this carefully and they wanted to make sure that um, people met a certain criteria to both benefit from it and to obviously afford to do it. So the banks are still... Now, Sue, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the bank still needed to make sure people service their oh, loans. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of 80%. It wasn't just given away for free. No. Um, but they, the applicants needed to pass. They needed to make sure they could afford the loan amount. They also yep. needed to make sure they had the 5% deposit, but then the bank would guarantee the remaining 15%. And the biggest thing that this would do, it would mean avoiding... Um, needing mortgage insurance, yeah, or loan mortgage insurance. Now, 
for those of you that don't know, anytime you borrow over 80%, so 80.01%, you start paying mortgage insurance. And that insurance is not to insure you against the banks, it's to insure the banks against you. But you pay for it, mm. correct? Mm. Yeah. You pay the insurance um, policy. Yep. Yeah. And that can be yeah. tens of thousands of dollars. Tens right? of thousands. Yep. yep. Yeah. So this instantly would save a lot of people a lot of money and make home ownership, you know, that more accessible. Now, on the back side of things, now, please, Stuart, you tell me of this, because I've, I've been a mortgage insurer I, in, in the finance industry. I was an actual mortgage insurer. Dirty, I've been a finance mortgage broker. insurer. I know. I know, right? <laughs> I've been a finance broker. I've been on a mortgage manager where I approved a declined loans. And as a mortgage insurer, I approved a declined loans as well. Banks and lenders have a different criteria to mortgage insurers. So sometimes mm. you could be approved by the bank, yep. but the mortgage insurer could decline you. And, and if the mortgage insurer declines you, the banks don't give you the loan. Is it's that a right? funny old situation, absolutely. So then the, the, so in those situations, the lender has said, we would support this loan to 80%, but we won't go over that. It's a funny old situation to be in. Um, so you have to have the difference in that situation. Yeah. Yes. So this guarantee or this scheme mm. is probably doubly advantageous because not only do you not have to pay the mortgage insurance, but in many cases as well, you won't need to meet the even stricter guidelines of mortgage insurers and you just need to pass the bank's guidelines. Would that be yep. right? Yep. It's very powerful. Yep. Yeah. It's saved. Uh, got a so, lot of people into their homes. Yes. So this scheme, like I said, was introduced um, a year or two ago and uh, it has been going strong. But what are the changes that were in place with the federal government? Uh, the main thing is that they increased the number of places because there's a limit to this. Mm. Um, they increased the number of places by 50,000. Yeah, 50,000 places. So that's, the, you know, that's substantial and exciting. Yeah. Um, they extended the time frame that you can get this scheme or apply for this scheme. And it was to close in June. Um, now it is at a much later date and I have to verify what date that is. Um, there is, however, obviously guidelines that they have to fall within these, these people who can qualify. So to qualify, to give you an understanding, you need to be earning less than $125,000 or a combined income, household income of less than $200,000. Now, not only that, there are price caps per state. Yeah, and I won't go through every state. If you need that information, do get in contact with us. And I know Stuart or myself will definitely help you. We can but put the, the link price at the bottom, caps... Oh yeah, we can do that. Or yeah. in the notes, right? Um, and the price, the price cap, uh, for New South Wales, for example, is $800,000. So you, you can only buy a property up to $800,000. Now, anyone living in New South Wales knows, you know, that's a relatively modest property in New South Wales, yeah. right? Um, so what does this mean and, and who does this affect? It does mean that it's to cater for the end of the market that probably need the help more. And um, it will probably cater for the, uh, the properties in the market that are obviously not luxury properties. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. it's all about the young people 
and the first homeowners, not even necessarily young people. Um, so the first homeowners that really want to get into the market haven't been in the market before. You need to secure your spot. So it's actually making an application to the government. Um, you do that through your lender. So your broker can actually get your lender to apply for that position um, once you're approved. Oh, great. Position. I didn't know that. Yeah. So oh, that's, the big, that's the big thing. Um, and there was a real scramble for spots in the past, which caused a bit of a... Uh, an issue in the past um, because it is so advantageous for um, for the first-time buyers to get into. Um, but so make sure when you're seeing your finance broker, do, uh, you know, say it's a first loan deposit scheme thing and then have them put in that application like immediately after the meeting so that you can see that. So you need to decide on the lender that you're going to go with and then you just shoot that application straight through, get that spot secured, and then you can actually make the finance application thereafter. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's very, that's, that's a, my little tidbit. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Because I didn't know that, right? Yeah. I wasn't sure how, how that was, was yeah. um, to be put into place. Yeah. Um, a, a really exciting thing that I know will help many, many people is that the home guarantee scheme also takes into consideration single parents. Wow. And single parents, they only need a 2% deposit. Oh, I look at you. Instead that's of. Good. The yeah. 5%, yeah, which does help a lot of, you know, single parents out there because anyone that's got kids knows it is so freaking hard. Like, I don't know how single parents do it. It's so hard. You're stretched thin a lot of the time um, and, you know, it's you're working off one income for mm. however many kids you're trying to support. So I yeah. think that that is a really good scheme to help people in this position. Agreed. Now, some, yes. Now, some of you guys are wondering, because a lot of you out there are investors. I know certainly my guys are investors. Mm. And you might be in a position where you're fortunate enough in some ways to not you know, fit this category, to not be um, earning less than $125,000 a year or combined income of, of $200,000 a year. If that is the case, well, there are certainly some you know, there's some pluses for that. You're earning more, so you've got more opportunity, but you don't get these extra bits and pieces. However, can you still benefit from this and from this budget? The answer is yes, and I'll I'll give you the direct answers for that a little bit further in the conversation because there's a couple more things I wanted to cover about the budget first. And the next thing I wanted to capture a part of the budget, which I actually don't think is widely spoken about, is the regional home guarantee. Mm. Do you know of this one, Doggy? I do. I've got to say, I don't know a lot about it. I've got to look more into it. But it's um, there's some great advantages. And being in the regions myself, I'm actually having a lot of people come and uh, talk to me about that one. And there are some people that are, it's making a good difference too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as I, as I said to Stuart before we started this conversation, you know, regional doesn't need to mean... Um, I use a different language, but out in the very far boondocks, right? Which I um, yeah. <laughs> Regional can be, you know, out of the main cities, but still near major um, economic hubs. Definitely. Definitely. Right? So um, this, the regional home guarantee is basically the same or similar to the first home uh, guarantee scheme. However, the difference is it's A, for regional areas, mm. um, and 
you don't need to be a first home buyer. No, it's for everyone. That's really great. It's, That's the it's power. It's for everyone. Yep. Yeah, as long as you haven't owned a home in five years. Mm. So who's this going to help? It's going to help a lot of mature age people who may have had it tough during COVID. Mm. You know, it's going to help a lot of people, once again, a lot of mature age people who um, maybe, or not even mature age people, people who have had it tough where they had to sell their own home to get out of strife. And now they're building themselves back up and they exactly. might have really good cash flow, but they, you know, they want that extra boost to break into the market. And it's not about, you know, they can afford it a lot of the time. It's just hard to get ahead with the pace that the market is working at. And this kind of scheme will help them, you know, pick up that pace or get there that little bit sooner yeah. or make it that little bit easier. So I think this is an incredible. The, the um, two markets that are or the two kinds of people that I've had talk to me about this one so far are the younger people who want to yeah. go out and have a look at something and can get that extra assistance if they want to live in the regions, which is uh, lots of people are moving out of the major cities and moving into the regions at the moment. And the second yeah. one is exactly as you described, the older people who might have had a, um, a, a life event like a, like a matrimonial breakup and you know there's lots of assets have gone either way yeah. um, and this is their this is their jump back into the market so it's it's been really helpful for those two brands of people yeah yeah and uh, the great exciting thing about this is that with the budget they have um, also stretched additional places by an additional 10,000 mm. places mm. for this particular part of the scheme so this is this is good news. Like, um, so going back to my investors, going back to those who, well, inclusive of those rather who have those strong incomes um, and don't fit within this criteria to qualify for the first home scheme, first home deposit guarantee scheme. Um, what does it mean? What will all of these factors mean for the housing market, for the finance market? and for property in general. Well, in general, in my opinion, is that this is a really good positive move. What this is going to do, like, let's face it, property is going off at the moment. You know, for many of us, we know that. We know what's happening. It's hard to get into the market. Prices are going through the roof. Even in markets where it's um, supposedly softened, yeah, it's still hard. Prices are you know, um, in, in, it's all relative, right? But prices are way up there in most major areas that we know of, in most yep. major cities. Yep. Yeah. Um, but what will this do? Once, in, in a general, in property cycles, properties go up and they come back down. And whether they come back down, you know, physically in value or they plateau, that's still considered, you know, a lower part of the market, right? And it's normal. And avoiding it is silly it's just about knowing how to ride the market and take mm, advantage and definitely. You, know, you can make money in no matter what part of this property cycle you go into you just have to change your tactics and your strategy as to how you invest in that market okay I love how you said that really love how you said that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think <laughs> oh, i've know, said it better about, before but you know there's a lot yeah. of people trying to market time like get in low and sell high and that sort of thing and it's yeah no it's it's not it's not that easy to do and i find top pickers and bottom pickers are very um you know actually run the risk of picking bad times whereas if you just buy well in great quality stock and you know you think that the price is reasonable and you've done your research then you can go up to you can find a, a like a place up here that's nice and happy and safe and either get out or use the equity to get your next asset, that kind of a thing. Like yeah, bottom and, and picking and top picking uh, is just unsafe. 
in my opinion. It's too short term and property is a long term game overall. Now, not to say that you never buy and sell, like I certainly have done. Um, but overall, you need to accept that property is a long-term commitment and, you know, it probably lasts longer than some marriages. You know? <laughs> so um, you've got to play the game like it's a long-term game, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so what this, this budget, how, why I think this is good for investors overall is because we're currently um, in most cities at a point where you would, in general, you'd say you're near the top of the market, if not at the top of the market. Mm -hmm. So we're facing the threat of either a downturn or a correction or a plateauing or all of the above considered as one. Yeah. Now with yeah. this, the entrance of this scheme and the push of this factor, what this does, it will help um, grow, continue to grow, but more importantly, maintain price values in certain areas and in particular areas that might may be susceptible to those dips in the market and it'll help maintain it because it'll allow first homeowners because first uh not just first homeowners but homeowners home buyers people buying their own occupied own occupied homes are the people that actually maintain and push values in a market most yes right yes. They're the emotional ones. They're the ones that are going to maintain and push the values of the market the most or have the most influence in a market. And the introduction of this scheme will allow more people to come into the first homeowner space or the homeowner space and allow those markets to retain value despite um, normal trends in markets or the negative outside influences that can affect our current market. And let's face it, we have a lot of threats around us at the moment. The situation in Europe, fuel prices, building costs, an election coming mm. up um, and interest rate, you know, threat of interest rate rises. So for me, the important thing is that I think that this will help counteract some of that. Definitely. And some of the counterintuitive things that are going on at the moment, like I was, you know, yeah. pre-COVID, I was really expecting that it looked to me like price was, would probably fall Whereas Everyone thought that COVID would throw the market off. Just yeah. the opposite. You know, of course, it grew massively. And um, and at Sydney, where you would even have said, well, perhaps, or even all cities, actually, but perhaps people will sell up in Sydney and that will cause a correction in Sydney and they will move out to the regions. That did happen, but it didn't fall off in Sydney. So why? Who knows? Well, in fact, it seems yeah. like a lot of the, um, the people who are on a lower band of type of ownership moved up to those bigger properties and yes. moved there so that probably supported those prices probably still looks like we're on a tail off now on the end of it seems like the research is saying the bigger cities are tailing off right now but that's okay that's normal as Isa said but the things that I find fascinating yeah. is even with the overseas volatility the um, you know issues in Europe going on the petrol prices and what we've what in my experience um, elections massively cause uh, people to just sit back and wait. As soon as there's an election yeah. called, we find that there's a gap in between there of everyone just going, wait, let's see what happens with the election. I'm not finding that this time. I'm finding my inquiry busier yeah. than it's basically ever been. So again, that's another counterintuitive thing like now. It seems like we're in a, in a counterintuitive cycle of things happening right now. Oh, COVID has thrown <laughs> intuitive out the window. <laughs> What's this intuitive? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, so a recommendation to my investors out there. Um, now, this recommendation is not financial advice and it's not specific advice for you, but it is a recommendation for consideration. 
yep. right? Is that you should in, continue to invest. Um, even if the market is difficult, and even if the market is moving very quickly, do it is always a good time to invest. Remember, it's just about changing your tactics and your strategy, right? And I think that it is very much a great time to invest, but more so look at um, more affordable price ranges, hmm. right? Uh, price ranges where there is a wider audience that can afford that. Why? Because those are the price ranges where there is still room for growth, whereas in the upper end of ranges, it, you know, that, that rate of growth is likely to slow down or peter out, right? And so what does that mean? In general, and I am, this is a, a, a sort of a generalization, more so for the Eastern states, is looking at anywhere from your high 400s to your high 700s, right? That would probably be the sweet spot where there's still enough room for decent movement. And mm. that also includes regional areas, looking mm. at regional areas and invest as investments. And I don't mean, like the regional area still has to meet a certain criteria. Um, it still has to have a level of population. It still has to level of demand. It still has to have a number of industries that will support that area. Uh, it has to have economic performance. And if you are unclear of any of those, well, hallelujah, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here to help you do. Yeah, we'll help you to give that direct information. You don't have to spend the months of the research. You can just check our research and work on it from there. So recommendations would, would be that. The one thing yeah. I would throw in is, is uh, government services. Always look for where government services are going. That's like, that's almost like that's a map. Just go to where government yeah. services are and then fold the rest of the things that ESA set out from there. It's, um, it's, yeah. That's when government money is going. That's where it's very strong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and additionally to the regions, I'm actually finding a couple of regional areas where the re where rents are actually rising a bit and the prices haven't quite jumped yet. Not everywhere. Prices have jumped in the regions a lot, but there's still a couple of gaps where the rent has increased and it's actually much more affordable. So look for those places. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely the regions, like compared to the metro areas, have had a much, they've been able to maintain minimum levels of rental yield. Whereas you just won't get that in metro areas of Sydney. Just forget it. The yields are not there, right? Yeah. Not there. So unless you're happy to, to lose up. some money, that's right. Yeah. yeah, the prices in Sydney, prices going through the roof. Rents are low. Um, it's not a smart investment decision unless you have other reasons behind it, mm. right? Um, so on that note, uh, Stewie, are there any other finance recommendations you would have for this market and in particular related to the, the budget that's come out? Yeah. Well, as, as we said, the, we've got to be careful of the um, financial advice here. So obviously your own circumstances need to be looked at and we'd be happy to help you out with that. But we're really seeing a, gr a very strong time to fix right now to fix any existing interest rates. Um, although having said that, we really like the idea of also having a variable portion there so that you can continue to pay parts of that off, especially on your own or occupied loan, remembering that, um, you know, um, investment debt is tax deductible, whereas owner-occupied yeah. debt is not tax deductible. So the good debt versus the bad debt thing. Yeah. Um, so just play those off, get good advice from all of your people around you about that. Why time to fix? The interest rates are rising and we are seeing, um, and there is pressure on that right now. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing the, uh, we're seeing that the, where the large institutions like the, like 
you know, the big banks and so on and their, their treasury departments were talking about somewhere between 20 and 50 points uh, rise by the end of the year on the variables. We're seeing that more, they're starting to talk more about 50 to 75 points. Now, again, we're historically low, so it's not that bad, but I still think having a fixed all things portion, in perspective, though. all things in perspective. Like, yeah. A, yeah, a lot of people, we are low, yeah. but a lot of people have probably mortgaged higher than they thought they could whilst it was low. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the, the fixed yeah. can protect you during that period. Um, we're also seeing just with the uh, a, a large gaps between the one, two, three, four, five year fixed. So just have you have a think about that. How long do you want to be fixed for? If you're thinking yeah. of selling, don't sell during a fixed period. Um, if you're um, if you're thinking of uh, you know how long do you want to hold it inside that fixed period is generally yeah. what I wanted to say there. If it's if sometimes the one year is cheaper than the two year and two years is cheaper than the three year, so you just want to balance up how long you want it fixed for. That's a, a versus yeah. the interest rate and and which yeah. one that comes in at. Good things to so there's a lot of things to take into account there and it can get a little bit overwhelming. Hmm. So what I would recommend that you, you know, there's the finance side of things and then there's the whole, how do I take advantage of this market? How do I know I'm finding the right property and what criteria does this property need to meet? Everything that we basically spoke about earlier today. And we are just going over the main points and speaking high level here. So if you need something and you do, yeah, if you need some, some, some more specific help, um, then what I would recommend is get in touch with us, get in touch with my office and I will put you, I will do an assessment with you and work with you with Stuart's team as well. Mm. And what we'll do is a holistic approach. We'll look at the investments that you're looking to achieve for yourself or the, the end results or goals that you're trying to achieve yourself, whether that be wealth creation, whether that be stability and security of your own home. We'll put a, and we'll work with you to put a strategy together on that and we'll work closely with your finance side and i'm i'm highly recommending obviously stuart sgb finance and you know we'll work together on, on finding out you know what are the things most important to you should you fix should you not how long should it go for and take into account all the goals that are in place if you're dealing with a financier and you just say look i'm worried about interest rates and they say to you sure why don't you fix here's a list of what you could get yeah and if that's the end of your conversation with no further guidance, I think you're shortchanged, right? <laughs> there is so much more to it that you need to take into account, so much so that it can save you tens of thousands of dollars or cost you tens of thousands of dollars, no joke, yeah? So it's really important you take these things into account. So much so, I think that we're going to do another topic purely about fixing rates. We love it. All right, doggy. We love All it. All right, cool. <laughs> so we'll be back with another episode. We'll be talking about rates for you, especially in these times. But at the moment, in summary, who does the federal budget benefit most? Definitely property buyers and in particular first home buyers. Um, should you, sorry, who, with regards to first home buyers, get out there, speak to your finance, speak to us Definitely. and your finance year, yep. ASAP, about, you know, getting approved just so you've got one of those coveted places to be able to qualify for the first home guarantee scheme, yep. right? And even if you're not a first home buyer, but you are looking to buy property for yourself, consider regional, this is an opportunity for you, um, even if it's for a short-term period. You know, this is an opportunity for you to get into the market with less hassle and save, 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 tens of thousands of dollars on mortgage insurance. 
not to mention the difficult criteria that mortgage insurers will put you through. You can avoid some of that. Um, and for investors, those that don't qualify for the first home buyers uh, guarantee scheme, yeah, you still are able to take advantage and benefit from this budget if you understand what the budget is doing, where the market's moving to in particular with regards to an emphasis on regional areas and areas that are attracting first home buyers. And what are those areas? Well, it depends on what state you're in because it will be the price bracket range, right? Yeah. It's the price bracket range you want to target. Yeah. Um, so those are my points. Um, summary, oh, and Stewie, your ones about fixing rates. Mm. Yeah, did you, just a summary, consider fixing your rates. Summary, consi be consider careful. fixing, yeah, be careful how that fits in with your portfolio. Also, fixing rates can actually give you a set repayment for the next couple of years. So you can actually know that's another powerful thing for investors to know how much your yeah. repayments are because, oh, yeah. and, you know, I just wanted to jump in about what you were saying before, Isa. There's um, some power in knowing those fixed rates and also, um, setting yourself up so that you know what to do next. So, you know, if you've got this property and you fix that one, how does that affect the portfolio going the on? Others, you're, yeah. you're alluding to that earlier, Uza. Uh, yeah. My goodness, Uza. And Uza, are we oozing now? Yeah. <laughs> two things together. I apologize. Um, yeah, yeah. Uza, and so we, that's getting you ready for the next property. You should always be thinking about how does this affect the portfolio going forward, even if you're a first home buyer. The easiest way to pay that off, pay a house off is to have an investment property that's rising in the market at the same time that you're having paying off your house and then at some point sell that or get the equity out and pay off your home. So all of those things yeah. are very powerful things for both parts of the market, investors and owner-occupiers. Absolutely. And you don't have to do this alone. You have a team here waiting we, to help We're here you. to help. <laughs> that's right. And the beautiful thing is there's no additional cost for that except um, some time and building a relationship. And uh, for those of you that know me, you know I love a relationship. All righties, um, there's our summary for you. I hope you got some really good points out of it. If you have any questions or if there's any topics you would like us to cover or me to cover or Stuart to cover and answer any questions you want answered, please do write it in the comments or send us an email in the details below. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. Catch you later. Bye.